This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is uh, Taz and the Moose with you here on this Friday morning, action-packed Friday. A lot of, a little football, well, a lot of football, a little baseball, hour number one. We continue the football theme now as uh, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Who understands that it's not just a mortgage, it's your mortgage. That's the difference. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. As we welcome aboard Russell Baxter, NFL writer for fansided.com, joins us now. Hey, Russell, Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish with you here on this Friday morning. Thanks for a couple minutes, bud. Hello, no problem at all. How are you guys doing? We're doing well, Russell. Do well. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about the, the Giants and Pats in the Thursday night affair. And there's a, you know, a number of different storylines to get into that one. We'll run around the league with you as well. Let, you know, let's start here. Bogish and I were talking about during the course of the break. Um, what do you make of it, of these, uh, of these, you know, challenges to pass interference where it obviously looks like pass interference? And last night was another person, perfect case in point, down 21 late. Third and ten pass down the field to Golden Tate. He was clearly interfered with. Now the call on the field was upheld, which was not pass interference. But I, I you know, I, if if that's not pass interference, I don't know what is. Why do you why do you think we're not getting these you know overturns of bad calls on the field like many anticipated we would? Um, because we're not getting them right on the field to begin with, and that is the source of the problem. I think adding the um, adding another interpretive element into the officiating just kind of mucks up the work uh, the the works a little um judgment calls like this uh have always been an issue and it and it goes back for years and years and years and years um uh, the same thing with a catch i mean for six years we didn't know what a catch was so um you know the, the problem is with these calls now is you have to have something really dramatic happen to overturn it. It's almost it's almost like saying um, not guilty. If I'm if 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 you understand what I mean, it doesn't. You know, you couldn't prove they didn't do it. All right. So that I, I'm probably I'm probably not being very very clear. But what they're telling you is you might be right, but it's gonna have it's gonna take a dramatic. Um, interpretation by someone else to to reverse it um so the call on the field will always get the benefit of the doubt and as we saw last night as we have seen in several games that you know that really shouldn't be the case russell uh, this came up in the break between moose and i because i was reading uh, charles robinson at yahoo sports writing that you know that was such a blatant miss last night both on the mm-hmm. field and then in the booth back in new york with with al riveron that Charles got to the conclusion that the only thing that could be going on here, or at least what's now possible, is that these are like spite decisions by the officials because the coaches got the replay system changed in the offseason. I mean, that is conspiracy theory-ish, but is there any room in your head for the officials maybe, you know, putting their middle finger back up at the coaches for, for the fight that they put up after the Saints game last year? I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, listen, human nature is human nature. 
And, you know, when you go back to the old, old re- replay system um, back in the, in the late 80s, I think 1986 was the first year we had, quote, unquote, instant replay, a different system and so on. And there was always that kind of hesitation by the officials themselves on whether, you know, they were going to have a call overturned and then were they as effective as they should be. Um, listen, it's, it's a game, uh, played by human beings, human beings make mistakes. Um, but human beings are, can also be very, very sensitive. So I don't know if I'd go, uh, that far and so on, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I would say that in certain instances, I'm sure you might not necessarily rule there. It's almost like, I mean, think about it. It, it. In some ways, it's almost like being an umpire being upstaged. Uh, by a manager, correct? Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Uh, you know that yeah. that is that's a good point, Russell. Um, all right, let's transition away from that. Let's let's talk a little bit about some some of these teams out there down in Washington, a team that's near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, I know people are going to say, "Well, there's only a certain amount of jobs. Every job, you know, has its positives." You know, I, I want. I guess my question is: is how attractive is this Redskins head coaching job, Russell? Well, I mean, I look at the structure of the team since Daniel Snyder's team for a little over 20 years. He's on his, and I count in interim head coaches, by the way, because interim head coaches count because sometimes they get capped. Um, Bill Callahan is his ninth head coach. Okay. Now, you know, I know some other teams are worse and so on, but, uh, you know, from the Scott McLuhan issues from a couple of years ago to who's really running the store there. Um, I don't know how attractive this job is whatsoever. And, you know, I, I'm in the midst. I, I did some out loud thinking here. Run, I'll run this by you guys. So the Redskins are at Miami this week, yeah. correct? Yes. A and, doozy uh, of a game. And Miami, <laughs> yeah, and Miami, Miami, Miami's kind of had this label of being accused of tanking for Tua or tanking for the season, correct? Yes. Okay, so if the Redskins lose to Miami, who's tanking? Well, the, uh, but the Redskins, here's the funny thing, Russell. The Redskins aren't trying. They're actually trying to be good. <laughs> Is that no, funny well, I'm or sad? Just, I'm just, <laughs> That's I'm sad. Just the Redskins are actually trying to give you a yeoman's effort. Miami's put up the white flag and said, you know what? Right. We'll see in 2020, which is worse. I think the Redskins are worse because they're trying to actually win football games. Well, you know what's funny? I would say talent on the field right now, this is splitting hairs. I think Washington's a better football team. Yeah. As far as the future goes, I think the Dolphins are in better shape because Agreed. of what the collateral they have built. But um, you know, we you go back to how the team is run or not being run and so on, and uh, this has been kind of a, a, a constant problem. I mean, I'm trying to think, other than uh, 2012, you know, the late surge with Robert Griffin as the rookie quarterback, um, was a 10-win season. They haven't won 10 games a lot over the last two decades. Russell, where are you, before we leave the Dolphins, where are you on, on Josh Rosen long-term as a quarterback in this league? Um. I like what he shows. I, I, I like uh, the fight in him. I mean, I think the skills are there. He's obviously been dumped into um, two really, really hard situations. I mean, the Cardinals were the worst team in the league last year, 3-13. and 13. He was thrown in there, um, what, the third or fourth game. By the seventh game, Mike McCoy was fired, um, you know, sacked, turnovers. Um, now comes over to Miami. Um, they're – in the midst of change, I, I like to say changing their culture because they're what they're really trying to do is 
rid themselves of a philosophy that has gotten them in trouble for about 10 years. And that's constantly just trying to fix things one year at a time instead of building a foundation. He should be part of the foundation. So I like the move. I mean, they gave relatively little to get him and so on. He's a young prospect who obviously was a first-round pick last year, and a lot of people thought – remember the – what the narrative out was Josh Rosen last year of the, of the quarterbacks who were drafted in 2018, he was quote unquote, the most ready to play. Okay. And he was ready to play. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if everybody else around him was too. No, that's a good point. Um, you know, some interesting matchups here, you know, uh, kind of highlight the slate. Uh, let's head out to Minnesota, Russell. When you look at this Vikings and Eagles matchup on Sunday, uh, out in Minneapolis, Minnesota got healthy last week in the Giants. The Eagles certainly, with all their injuries on defense, has battled their way to a 3-2 and two record. What's the intriguing aspect? What are you looking forward to this one? Can Philadelphia secondary, which has been a problem, you know, going back to actually a couple of years. Um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the last time they're in that building, somebody threw over 505 yards against them. True. Um, you know, but they also won the game, so let's not leave that, leave that out. Um, you know, it depends on what Kirk Cousins, I think we see, and more importantly, what game plan we see, um, you know, even, you know, those games where they won and they didn't really let him throw the football, uh, even though they won, I thought that was a detriment. Um, you know, this was a team last year that barely could run the football. They've changed that. I still don't think their pass protection is all that good. You know, the biggest problem I have with Minnesota and Cousins is not the fact um, that they they are inconsistent with how they use him this year. It's the fact that throughout his career, guys, he just does a terrible job of protecting the football. Okay, there are a lot of quarterbacks who get a lot of sacks um, handed to them, but they don't cough up the football as much as he. Can. I'm not talking about interceptions. I'm talking about lost fumbles. Last year, he lost seven fumbles of the nine times he fumbled. We saw that earlier this season. If Minnesota plays the balanced kind of football they did last week against the Giants, and albeit the Giants' defense is, you know, well, that's a whole different story. Um, but more like they played against the Raiders, um, you know, they should be fine. But to me, Philadelphia is very, very erratic. I know they put up 31 on the in the Jets last week. I think they're very, very inconsistent. I don't think they've played complete game last week. And of those 31 points last last week, two were turnovers by the Jets that they returned for touchdowns. Russell, what's your number one reason for the Browns' struggles on offense? Offensive line. Um, uh, Baker Mayfield being inaccurate. Uh, they, they, look like, they look like a 45 record playing at 78 speed. Does that make sense? Not yeah, to me. I'm sense. too young for that. <laughs> no. I'm a little older. That makes sense to me, Russell. <laughs> they... They are not in sync. I mean, you know, and even it took them a, a quarter and a half against Baltimore um, to get that running game going. Um, but I think their defense, which is very, very aggressive, um, can also be had. I mean, Miles Garrett's had a terrific year. They've got some solid players. Their secondary has been banged up for the majority of the year. But San Francisco, talking about speed, San Francisco made the Browns look like they were standing still the other night, okay, in all facets. And uh, I think they get the Browns are have not let um, not yet learned how to win consistently. They've learned how to win 
sporadically. They also have kind of a new cast of offensive characters. But um, every time they seem to get something going the other night, something went wrong. That Callaway interception at the goal line was bounced up into the air and went the other way. Um, and I think and I think Baker Mayfield is pressing. Uh, but I do know that Baker Mayfield is truthful when it comes to handshakes. Yeah, well, that is true. You're right about that. And Richard Sherman <laughs> making up that story, which makes you know little to no sense. And then the apology afterward. Uh, speaking of uh, Sherman and the Niners, are you a believer as they go into Los Angeles to take on the Rams this weekend? This, to me, has to be the believability part of it, okay? Because the Rams have had, I'm sorry, the 49ers within the division last year. By the way, last five years in the division, I know their overall record isn't that great, 7-23. Uh, and 23. Uh, This is a team that's lost eight straight games to the Cardinals, much less beating the Seahawks and the Rams. The Rams hung 87 points on them in two games last year. So this, is to, this to me, is really the asset test. I know who they've beaten, and they have performed extremely well. Uh, their running game dom- has been dominant, okay? And even though they you know, have, have had some injuries there, they've got their tackles banged up as well. Kyle Shanahan's been very, very creative on how everybody gets the football. He showed that last year when they didn't have Garoppolo and they didn't have Jarek McKinnon. He found other guys to be productive. I mean, we ne- would have never heard of George Kittle, I think, uh, if not for last year and then being in a completely different role. Now he's a, a Pro Bowl tight end. Um, but you have to beat the teams that you have to beat. They have to prove they can consistently beat the Rams. I mean, they've, they've lost three out of four of them, and the one game they beat them was when Sean McVay sat everybody in Week 17 of 2017 when they were headed to the playoffs. So it's not that I don't believe, but I think I'd be a little more convinced if I can see them beat somebody within the division. Russell, are the are the Lions legit? And in terms of being in a you know an elite NFC team, and what do you expect them to do on Monday night in Lambeau? I don't I don't know if they're necessarily an elite team. The the one thing that's bothered me a little bit. First off, the one thing I like about them is they have finally and Daryl Bevel plays a big role in this. They're running the football. We have seen them in the last five or six years become so one dimensional. Uh, I think at least once or maybe twice they were dead last in the league in rushing. Ask the Packers last year what happens when you don't run the football. They had the fewest running attempts in the entire league last year. They've kind of gone more balanced. So carry on Johnson um, helps Matthew Stafford uh, an awful lot. And uh, But the one thing that is concerns me is how they have played in the fourth quarter and, of course, the overtime. They squandered the big lead to the Cardinals. They let Patrick Mahomes come down the field the last time we saw them. I want to say they've given up 95 points this year, and almost half of them, 42, have come in the third, in the fourth quarter in overtime. So I know they've beaten the Packers four times in a row. I know they've won at Lambeau three of the last four years, and that's, you know, I, I know the Packers have not had Aaron Rodgers every time, but more times than not they've had. So, again, on the road in the division, the Packers have been – you know, they're 2-0 in the division, including a win at Chicago. It's, a, again, another prove-me game. But that that division from top to bottom is just solid. I mean, everybody is above 500 at this stage. And I think the thing that will be interesting this week, even though it's a divisional game for the Packers, is avoiding a little bit of a letdown after the way they played in the first half against Dallas. You know, Russell, um, to Jacksonville, they get set to entertain the Saints this weekend, and Bridgewater and the Saints have done a great job with Breeze's absence and, and having that thumb surgery. 
Jacksonville, though, um, Ramsey, November 1st, do you think he's a Jaguar? And the other aspect of it is Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania taking over the National Football League. Now, I can't, I mean, I know there are guys that have kind of become stars right before your very eyes. Mm-hmm. They got to come out of nowhere. I mean, and, and he really came out of nowhere to kind of captivate everyone's imagination. It's been really a remarkable story. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you look at Jack, even the year that Jacksonville went to the AFC title game in 2017, you would certainly not accuse their offense of being exciting or productive. I mean, that was a team that got like seven or eight defensive touchdowns on interceptions and fumble returns. And, uh, you know, you got a big year from Leonard Fournette and so on. But um, Leonard Fournette looks like he's a little bit uh, rejuvenated. Um, Minshew has definitely brought a, a little moxie to that team. They've been in, they've been in every game they played this year. Even even when Foles went down in week one, they they hung tough with Minshew and um, you know made it as competitive as they could against the Chiefs. Um, this is a tricky game for the Saints, uh, you know. I, I, and and credit to Sean Payton and really that organization because they have really become less dependent on Drew Brees the last two or three years. They're a more balanced football team. I think the key to this one on, on, on Sunday is can they keep Minshew out of harm's way? Um, the, I don't think the Saints defense, which is still a little shaky on the back end, uh, but their defensive front, their linebackers, um, that's a pretty formidable front seven. And, uh, you know, but again, last week, never say die against Carolina. They gave up a ton of rushing yards to Christian McCaffrey and to the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, before you knew it, they're making plays and so on. That, it's funny. They went to the AFC title game in 2017. I think this team right now might be better than that 2017 team. Yeah, good point. Wouldn't disagree with you there. And certainly offensively, uh, a lot more explosive. Hey, Russell, we appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for getting up early for us. And uh, have a great Friday. Enjoy all the football this weekend, all right? Oh, just to correct you, it's football season. I, I don't sleep until February. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. You're all over the yes. place, Russell. Russell Baxter, <laughs> uh, fansided.com. Check him out. Hop online as well. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 